You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, it really is good to be back with you guys this morning. Uh, I had an opportunity. Oh, oh. I was able to have my first sabbatical um, that I've ever taken in uh, three weeks, three weeks off. And you know what it did? It totally reminded me of my school days. Because how many of you remember taking time off during the summer? How many of you guys missed three months of vacation? How many of you, you don't care what party a president would be a part of, if he were to mandate three months time off for all Americans, you'd vote for him, right? Uh, it was it was an amazing time. It was it was so much like school too because we even took field trips. My family and I went up to Washington D.C. And, uh, and we just had we had a good time of refreshing, a good time of hanging out. And as I was talking with my kids, and, and they were talking about school, and I'm kind of experiencing these school flashbacks, I remembered one thing in school that I was one of my favorite things that we got to do. And I don't know if this was just a Hawaiian thing where I'm from, so you're going to have to tell me if you guys did this here. How many of you guys had pep rallies here on the mainland? Yeah. How many, for you guys, were your pep rallies like crazy? Yep. Yeah. And, and in Hawaii, our pep rallies were like one of the biggest things that we did um, in the year. And we would have competitions in our pep rallies. One grade level would compete against the other grade levels. Is that, is that what you guys did too? How, did you guys go to high school? <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> and so, and so, at our school, it was led by Mr. Paget. Mr. Paget was five foot four, 120 pounds, soaking wet, and he would like be flailing his arms and screaming. I loved Mr. Paget. You know why? Because I was five foot six, and he made me feel tall. <laughs> Here, here's some advice for short people: get shorter friends. Amen. You feel real good. You feel real good. And so he would lead us in these pep rallies, and, and he would say he, this. He would yell, Kohala High School, and we would have to yell back to him, give them. Now, let me translate for you non-Hawaiians. What give them means is like, give it your best, right? So I, w- I want you to picture the gymnasium full of these crazy kids. He would yell, Kohala High School, we would yell, give them. Now, now just to make sure you're catching this picture, I'm going to yell, Grace Covenant East Lincoln, you yell, give them. Grace Covenant East Lincoln, give That was pathetic. <laughs> the sixth grade class would have beat you, but that's okay. We'll keep going. So we would yell at the top of our lungs, right? Each grade level competing against what we would yell at the top of our lungs and and, and our faces would turn red and and the veins in our neck would start to bulge. And afterwards, you would be hoarse and barely able to talk. You'd even have a headache from all the yelling that you did. Pep rallies were so much fun and it was worth it if you won, right? But one thing that I realized about pep rallies is that pep rallies, that enthusiasm, it diminishes. The enthusiasm that we had in our pep rally, it faded. Let me say it this way. Pep rallies, they pass, but passion persists. And the Holy Spirit is not calling you and I as individuals or corporately as a church to hold a pep rally. What the Holy Spirit is doing and compelling us and speaking to us to do is to be passionate pursuers of Jesus Christ. That our lives would be on fire for Him. 
And that that fire would be flamed by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen to me. The one thing you have been called to be is a passionate person. Amen. God is desiring to see a passionate people moved and used by him. Because as we said earlier, passion compels us to action. When you're passionate about something, you just can't sit on the sidelines. When you're passionate about something, you can't keep your mouth shut. When you're passionate about something, you're all in. This morning, let me ask you a question. Not, not in, a, in a way for there to be any condemnation whatsoever. But my question is this. How passionate are you about your God? How passionate are you about your God? You know, there's times and there's seasons where we can feel like we're white hot on fire for him, can't we? Maybe you've gone through a season, though, afterwards where it kind of feels like where the spark go. Marriages can get that way, can't they? You can have that ooey-gooey, you know, oh, you're better. You're the most beautiful thing in the world. I love you. No, I love you more. All that stuff. You know, when you, have you ever seen newlyweds do that? The kind of that makes you want to throw up, right? And, and, and so what are those, those, those gooey feelings? Sometimes you know what they do, and then, and then, and then it changes a little bit, right? And then, and then what do you do? You have, to, you have to restore that passion, right? So I don't know where you might be this morning, but my question for you is to ask yourself that. Where am I? Because here's what I know. Where there's passion, you know what else there is? Joy. Where there's passion, there's joy. David would say this, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know what David was? Passionate man. When you see him worship, his wife mocked him because he's dancing in front of everybody. You know what? You know what David's response to her was? I'll get even more undignified than this. No matter if I'm the king, I'll dance and, and I'll sing. And man, if he sounded anything like me, that's pretty undignified. But he would do it anyways. Why? Because he was a passionate man, passionate for his God. And it showed in his life. I love how Chrissy brought it up in the video. She referenced Isaiah 69, 9. It says, zeal for your house consumes me. When the disciples watched Jesus, they couldn't help but think of that. Why? Because his life was demonstrating passion. It caught their attention. I pray that's what our lives would do. When people look at our lives from the outside, I pray that they would look at us and go, man, what is that passion about? What's that zeal about? There's something different about that individual. I love what it says in our notes this morning. You can follow along. John Piper, who happens to be a pastor and an author, he says, God created me and you to live with a single, all-embracing, all-transforming passion, namely a passion to glorify God by enjoying and displaying his supreme excellence in all spheres of life. Isn't that good? Jesus is our ultimate um, figure when we think of passion, but throughout the Bible, we can see so many different individuals who lived lives of passion. And this morning, I want to focus on our last unsung hero in our, ser- in our series. He's a man who was a passionate man for God. His name was Josiah. 
Listen what was written about Josiah, King Josiah. They said this in 2 Kings, that neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. How many of you would say that's a definition of passion? How many of you would also say that makes for a pretty good tombstone, doesn't it? How would you like that to be written over your tombstone? That with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, you were known for one thing. And it wasn't what your title was at work. You were known for one thing and it wasn't um, your athletic prowess. You were known for one thing. And that one thing was this. You passionately loved Jesus. And it showed in everything that you did. Your worship wasn't relegated to a Sunday morning. Passion doesn't relegate itself to a Sunday morning. Passion follows the person wherever they go, whatever day it is. And so when people look at you and people look at me, I pray that something similar might be written of us. If you haven't done this yet already, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 34 as we're going to read about King Josiah. And what it says about him and see what you and I can take out of this to hopefully prayerfully apply this to our own lives. Starting in verse one of chapter 34, it says that Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Let me tell you something about passion. You know what passion does? Passion refuses to be distracted. Passion refuses to be diverted in its attention. Passion says, I know where I'm going. I know who I am and I know what I'm all about. And I refuse to be distracted. How many of you would agree with me this morning that life gives us one or two distractions? Huh? How many would agree with me that just in our day-to-day activities, there's plenty of opportunities for us to take our eyes off our passionate relationship with Jesus, huh? You know what made Josiah special? You know what made Josiah different? Is that he refused to be distracted. I'm guaranteeing you life still came at Josiah. Josiah still had issues that would rise up, but Josiah wouldn't turn to the left or to the right. He was passionately and purposefully chasing God. Let that be the same of us. Going on in verse 3, it says, In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, of sheriff holes and idols. Under his direction, the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. Then he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned their bones of the priest on their altars. And he also purged Judah and Jerusalem. How many would say Josiah wasn't messing around? I mean, not only did he tear down the Asherah poles, and, and, and this cult, this religion, you got to understand, this was just a sick religion. It was a sick cult, full of sexual immorality, sacrificing babies to this false god. I mean, it was as bad as it got. Josiah, Josiah said, I am going to not just put an end to it, I'm going to put a final chapter to it. In fact, he began to even burn the bones of the priests. 
I would say that's a pretty definitive statement, wouldn't you? Here, when I read this, though, you know what I thought? How wise. How wise. There was a temptation that Israel had to join them in all this sexual immorality. And so Josiah said, I'm going to not just end it, I'm going to burn it to the ground. And the Holy Spirit kind of spoke to me and said, Jeremy, I want you to do the same thing. Those areas of temptation in your life, those, those little patterns of sin in your life, don't let it linger. Don't let even a little part of it stand. you know why? Because the enemy is deceptive. And he's going to make that temptation. He's going to make that sin sound so good to you. And so he's going to say, hey, you can just, just keep your little toe in it. It's all good. Look at the rest of your bodies out of it. You'll be fine. No, we've got to be a people who are passionate. And a passionate, and a passionate people put to death the temptations in their life. A challenge to you this morning. Think about it for a second. Is there, a, is there something, an area, a stronghold in your life that you haven't killed ultimately? Definitively, decisively. And if there is, let's be like Josiah, huh? Let's be a people who would burn the bones of the priests at the altar of that thing. Because God has great plans for you. God has a purpose for your life. And it sure as heck ain't that sin that's holding you back. So he did it in Jerusalem, he did it in Judah, and he did it in verse 6 in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and in the ruins around them. He tore down the altars and the Asherah poles, and crushed the idols to powder, and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. This, there's something so important that you've got to see in here. Now, if, you, if you've read Israel's history, you'll remember that Israel was one nation, Right? Then they had their own civil war and they broke into two nations. You had Israel and you had Judah. King Josiah was king over Judah. Now Israel, they had all of those other lands that we spoke of, Manasseh and all those places. That was not underneath the authority of Josiah. In fact, Israel at that time had already been now conquered by the Assyrians. So meaning this, Josiah went beyond his natural boundaries because he was passionate for God. He brought the word of the Lord beyond his natural boundaries because that's how passionate he was. Listen, you and I sometimes operate just in our natural boundaries. We'll get passionate about God in the places that we feel comfortable getting passionate about God. Like I know, man, there, there were times in my life where, when, especially when I was younger, I would just be passionate about worship and passionate about God in church. But once I walked outside those doors, it was like, I'm not in my natural boundary anymore. And someone from school might see me. How many of you guys ever had that growing up? Please don't make me the only sinner in this place. Please, please, please. But, but there, I, felt, I felt okay to worship God in one area, but not another area. Anybody, am I making sense to anybody here? Yes. So sometimes your passion will be confined to your natural boundaries. What I'm saying Josiah is showing us this morning is to extend your natural boundaries into places that maybe are uncomfortable for you. Your passion should follow you wherever you go. In your schools, in your workplace, passion for God should follow. 
Passion for God should even follow you to Harris Teeter. How crazy is that? Like, you can go to church, and how many of you guys know this? That, that, that passion for Jesus, it allows us to see through his eyes, right? We have natural eyes, but God has also given us supernatural eyes, spiritual eyes. And so sometimes I've heard stories of people, you know, they'll go to a, a, a grocery store, wherever it might be, and they'll just begin to ask God to show them who they need to pray for. So, I mean, what I'm not saying is this. It's not like, you know, the lady who's like checking out her coupons that you would walk over there and just lay hands on her and start praying out loud. That could get you arrested. Hear from God clearly before you do that one, all right? But sometimes you can go in there and and, and you can just say, Lord, is there someone I should be praying for? And the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, this individual right over here, just just begin to pray for them silently and inwardly. And then there's a spiritual dynamic that occurs that, that maybe you'll never even know what the outcome was of it. But I can tell you, your passion for Jesus just played a part in her purpose. So let, let's, be, let's be open to getting beyond just our natural boundaries. All right. I haven't even started giving you the points yet, have I? That's what happens when you take three weeks off. I'm going to preach all day. No, I'm not. I'm not. I want us to read down, write down a couple of things, okay? Let's get just a couple of things down. Number one, these are things we can learn from Josiah, is that you're never too young to be dynamically used by God. I got our youth in the back. I'm going to say it again just for them. You are never too young to be dynamically used by God. Let me talk to our youth, our teenagers. Your day to serve God and be kingdom builders isn't tomorrow, it's today. You've been called today to rise up. You, you, you ain't got to wait for us old people to get out your way. Your day is today. That's why we invest so much in our youth and our children because we believe and we know and we have seen that God can do dynamic ministry through passionate children, through passionate teenagers. Your day is today. Let me say this. You're never too young and you're never too old too. No matter what stage of life you are in today, the Holy Spirit Fanning the flames of passion can do amazing things in your life. Number two, write this down. Passion will give you perseverance when the way is hard. Passion will give you perseverance when the way is hard. Those days where it feels like the storm is just too big. Those days where it feels like that mountain is too steep. Passion doesn't allow you to contemplate quitting. There's no quit in passion and there's no quit in you. When you're a passionate worshiper of Jesus, you might have your down days. You might have those moments where it even feels like you've gone to one knee, but you always get back up. Because a passionate person is able to see things that others can't. They, where people would see that there's a hopeless situation in your life. You know what passionate followers of Christ see? They see what God sees. They see through the eyes of faith. Write that down as number three. Number three is this. Passion will feed faith, opening the way for God's work. There's going to be individuals who don't see the spirit with spiritual eyes like you can. So when they look at your, when they look at your marriage and they say, no, that's hopelessly over. You, being a passionate person, following Jesus, you know that your victory is right around the corner. Those of you that maybe people would look into your life and they would say, listen, this is a hopeless situation that you're going through. You understand that your God can do everything that he needs to to allow you to come out on top. 
Why? Because you're seeing as he sees. You're sensing as he senses. Because you know what? You know where passion puts you? Passion puts you in the presence of God. And when I'm in the presence of God, I don't see the same way. When I'm in the presence of God, I don't think the same way. When I'm in the presence of God, I sure as heck don't respond to life's issues the same way. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. We're not holding a pep rally here. We're not holding a pep rally here. This is a plea for you to live passionately because it'll change everything. The fourth thing is that passion will empower you to make a difference. Passion's going to empower you to make a difference. Saddest thing in the world is the person who doesn't believe that they can. You become numb to your potential. And I ain't saying it's your fault that you become numb to it. I'm just saying it's happened. Maybe because there's been disappointment in your life. Maybe because you've seen things not work out the way you thought that they would. And so now you doubt. Passion doesn't allow you to doubt. Passion speaks destiny into your life. Destiny. Passion lets you know you're going to make a difference. King Josiah sure did, didn't he? Entire nation turned its back on an area of weakness that they had succumbed to. It went beyond what we just read in scripture they they rebuilt the temple they discovered the law again there's so much that happened look at one man's passion one man's passion turned into partnership with a nation and it changed things let me ask you something how cool would this be how cool would this be what if we had three four five people six people in this congregation who became so passionate about God that everybody else began to catch fire because of it? What if we had five people, six people, seven people? What if they stood up and they became people who were so sold out for Jesus Christ that it changed their decision-making, changed the way that they thought, changed the way that they worshiped? And what would happen if everybody else caught on fire because of that? I can tell you what would happen. Our city, our state, our nation, the world would never be the same. And don't look at me like I'm crazy because I believe it can happen here. Because I know it can. I know it can. Because I know so many of you. I don't know how passionate you are in your love for Jesus. So this is my challenge to you today. Stand up. Stand up. Get back to the place of reckless abandon for him. Since I won't settle for nothing less but to be in his presence. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.